What do you think? <laughs> should, should we ban this sick filth? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. for news, views, and overreactions, all things NFL. Week four is in the bag. We've had some surprise results. We've had a coach resigning, and we've had a spate of injuries. So, hey, guys, we got Connor here. We've got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How's tricks? Uh, not too bad. Not much going on. Watched Ireland win an actual game of football at the weekend, which was something I hadn't seen for a very long time. So this the slow road to recovery has begun. Did you get the sense did you get all the Irish media had their like, oh, it's actually fine. Don't worry about all those losses <laughs> and the trials. They had those think pieces in the bag and they were like, finally, we can pull them out for, for, one, for, just, for one Just week. change a few of the dates. <laughs> there seem to be more Irish fans in the stadium than Azerbaijani fans, which is very strange given the match was in Azerbaijan. Big Irish population there? No, just the fans. There didn't seem to be any local fans interested in the games. It's like a 50,000-seater stadium, and there were probably about 1,500 fans in the, sta- in the stadium total. <laughs> Fair enough. And about half of them were Irish fans. Best fans in the world, TM. Yeah, I went, went to the wrestling on the weekend. That was great crack. Just a bit of motion at the end when they were talking about one of the wrestlers who passed during the COVID break and then got the keys to the house. I'm now in the house, and I've been just DIYing and uh, get myself absolutely wrecked doing that kind of stuff. So it's fun being an adult. It's not. Just everyone wants to do things. Going full Kool-Aid, man, yeah? Yeah, yeah, just charging through walls. <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that actually the wooden part in the wall that I took down was actually fairly well constructed, I would have tried it. Because <laughs> I did start punching <laughs> holes in it at one point, and that was kind of fun. Is that during Sunday Night Football you were putting holes in the walls? Ah, right? shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was well asleep when that was on, to be honest. I'd spent a day taking down a wall. I was I was wrecked. I suppose we should swing into the news from around the league. The big news, John Gruden has resigned as Raiders head coach after the New York Times published a large volume of emails that had been released that included homophobic, racist and sexist comments from him. They've made their special teams coach Rick Bisakia? The interim head coach. The emails emerged from an NFL investigation into the Washington football team where Gruden and former Washington football team president Bruce Allen were emailing each other while Gruden was still working as an ESPN analyst. A lot of the stuff in here was not great. I think a lot of people would read the story and initially go, oh, like, is this a comment he made? And you're like, nope, this was multiple ongoing three years comments that he was making and a fairly inexcusable position to be in. Pretty depressing story. We have been saying for about two years in this podcast I need to fire John Gruden. I wasn't expecting it to be for this. I was expecting it to be for performance issues. But yeah, pretty pretty shitty stuff. This is kind of an interesting story in the sense it kind of does a slow drip of information before the games on Sunday. One of the comments about one of the NFLPA executive counsel, Damore Smith, had one of the descriptions used against him that was racist, I suppose just the best way of putting that. John Gruden said, no, that thing about his lips was more about him having lying lips. And anyway, I am totally sorry. And there was definitely a sense that by the time that Sunday came around and he was coaching on the sideline, and the media kind of come around, okay, he's obviously very sorry, this is a stupid thing to say. It looked like it was going to kind of be a storm in a teacup type of situation. Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday night, the New York Times basically dumped all of the emails with all of the comments between him and Bruce Allen. And it included a whole lot more problematic content from the relatively funny side, like calling Roger Dale a pussy, to lots more awful stuff, making comments about 
female referees basically saying, oh, well done, Roger. I think Bruce Allen shared some of those photos from the Washington football scandal. There was homophobic language. A whole lot of stuff that coming out all of once basically left John Gruden with no position except to resign or probably to be fired if he hadn't done that. Like this is coming as an offshoot of the whole Washington football team thing. And apparently like the, the NFL has investigated like like 500 to 600,000 emails. Obviously this Gruden thing has come out. You know, it's interesting that the Dan Snyder emails haven't become available yet or haven't become public. But you do wonder, John Gruden may be the first person to be affected by this. But if the, langu- if the language and the conduct of the Washington football team is as toxic as we think it is, and there's all the evidence to suggest that, then I wouldn't be surprised if there were other names that were to come up in now. But for Gruden, look, all these comments that he made uh, from about, I think, 2010 up to 2018 are completely un- unacceptable and it kind of just goes with the trope that don't put down anything in writing that you wouldn't want to be released publicly. He had to go. There was there was no question about it. I, I think we all kind of knew he was in problem. He was in trouble when he, he actually used the line, I am not a racist or something like that. It was all kind of downhill from there. Yeah, just, just kind of terrible stuff all around. Society has changed a lot in the last 15 years and some people haven't changed with them and it seems very clear that John Gruden is one of those people. And I do kind of hope this is the end of him uh, in football, though you suspect possibly not. Knock on wood. Um, we'll move on to Green Bay have signed linebacker Jalen Smith. He was released from Dallas about a week or so ago. They had too many mouths in that back in that linebacker core. And uh, Green Bay pick him up, probably a smart pickup. And Carolina have traded a 2023 three sixth round pick which is essentially just a, a lottery ticket or a UDFA for Stefan Gilmore for New England this comes after reports that New England were about to cut Gilmore he's eligible to come off the pup list in week six uh, the Gilmore situation was interesting is he was sitting on pup he wanted money from New England New England didn't want to pay him he didn't want to play until he was getting paid and then this kind of forced the issue to the point where New England declared they were going to cut him it says a lot for a guy who was defensive player of the year what two years ago that a six-round pick is all you can get from him. It's madness, you know? Very strange situation, the way it's gone around, and I suspect that there's more to the story than meets the eye because there's a lot of criticism now of Belichick's role in this as a GM and what what happened. The rumors are that they offered to restructure Gilmore's contract because of all the cap issues, but they wanted to put in incentives based on playing time, performance, etc., etc., which he refused to do. At that point, apparently, they they were just going to cut him, and then there was talk of other GMs becoming interested, but rather than fielding any offers, so apparently lots of like big teams like your, your Packers and your Chiefs and your Cowboys were obviously looking at, at a major talent and wanted to pick him up, but they refused to field any offers and said, sent to the Panthers. It seems like almost out of spite as anything else. It was like, well, well fuck you if you're not going to sign our contract. We're going, we're going to send you away for nothing at all. It it's really seems to be throwing away a very valuable player. They could have gotten more in terms of, of picks. He wasn't quite as good in 2020 as he was in 2019, but he still has something to contribute. So it's a loss for the Patriots. And questions now about Belichick's management of personnel, certainly. He's unquestionably the best head coach of all time or in the top two or three, but his GMing is... There's been a number of failures recently, and this is perhaps the latest of them. Yeah, and for Jalen Smith, he hasn't really been playing up to the contract that they gave him a few years ago. That was kind of a contract, I believe, at the time was kind of done to as a feel good, like we're investing in our talent, etc. And obviously, he's a good. He was a good story because obviously he came off that devastating injury at the college level. He goes to Green Bay, a good, pretty good spot where the linebacker depth has hasn't been great for probably a few years, to be honest, or inside linebacker depth certainly. You know, he should have a good chance to not be exposed and what's a you know, a solid enough defense in terms of the core talent at the very least. 
and obviously with an offense that can uh, put up the points regardless. In terms of injuries that have happened this week, Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson has injured his finger and he's out for four to eight weeks. And Pittsburgh wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster has injured his shoulder and he's likely out for the season. Obviously, Seattle are now going to be playing Geno Smith. Looked okay stepping in, but it's very hard to gauge in that situation. I'm not, I'm not loving this. You were already kind of worried about this season, Fitz. This is probably nail the coffin feel, even if it's not for definite yet. Don't want to talk about nailing the coffin since uh, Russell Wilson has screws in his hands right now, but like that team has a lot of issues, particularly on the defense. We'll talk about that in the reviews, and we've talked about it in previous weeks. So even if Russell Wilson was only like you know uh, week to week or day to day, I would still have major concerns. But obviously, missing Russell Wilson, the things that he's capable of doing on the football field, you know, makes him a top five quarterback for over a decade now, and that that's just impossible to replace. Now, look, Geno Smith came into the game. He looked solid. He, he led to uh, scoring drives, but unfortunately had a, 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 like an interception in the last drive. If he can be solid, then maybe they can still do things. They have some easier games coming up in the next couple of weeks. But if the defense continues to be bad, um, if the run game continues to be inadequate, then there's going to be a lot of pressure put on to Geno Smith, just like Russell Wilson had to deal with. And right now, even with Tyler Lockett, even with DK Metcalf, that's a huge hurdle for him to overcome. For Russell Wilson, the main thing is to make sure he comes back healthy, that he doesn't try to come back too fast, which he almost certainly will try to do. He's played through injuries before when he probably shouldn't have. You know, his four-week deadline, which is what he's kind of trying to say he's hoping will happen, I don't think that's realistic. It'll probably be closer to six, probably closer to eight weeks. That's what the medical professionals are saying. It's a huge roster for the Seahawks and, you know, non-trivial probability that the season will be basically over by the time he comes back anyway. And uh, Juju obviously is a, a loss for Pittsburgh. Not that their passing game has been phenomenal this year, and they do have a lot of options on that. Juju, if I remember correctly, came back on a one-year deal, not being able to find the quality of offers he wanted elsewhere. This doesn't really help his case for getting paid next season. We have a couple of other injuries around these. So the Giants' offense is kind of semi-decimated. <laughs> uh, running back Saquon Barkley is an ankle sprain, so he's gone for two to four weeks. Daniel Jones got concussed in quite a horrible-looking concussion as well. So he's week-to-week, and Kenny Galladay, their top wide receiver, is injured his knee, and he's week-to-week. Sam Fran, Trey Lance is out for a week or two with a knee injury, and George Kittle has injured his ankle has gone on short-term IR. Taysom Hill has a concussion for New Orleans, and he's week-to-week now. And Kansas City running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has injured his knee, and he's out from anywhere between one and four weeks, but expect probably the longer end of that. The Giants are just... Jesus, that's a, that, 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 that's a lot. <laughs> That's their entire offensive production wiped out for at least a week, and if not, maybe two or three weeks. And they do look like quite bad. Is Saquon's one? I mean, I'm surprised it's only two to four weeks. It looked oh, really yeah, bad. Ballooned I mean, it ballooned up yeah, so like, quickly. It ballooned up very badly. And yeah. you, it's sort of like it was like a non thing. He just kind of stumbled over a player, and suddenly, within five minutes, his his ankle had exploded. And then obviously, Danny Dimes' concussion didn't look great either. So, I mean, even if these players are back within two to three weeks, the production you imagine is not going to pick up again. For Saquon, obviously, it's becoming a bit of a history of injuries after injuries. Obviously, this one was a bit more of a freak than anything else for these other ones like look Trey Lance they're on by this week obviously Jimmy G is supposed to be coming back sooner rather than later so it'll be interesting to see either of the quarterbacks are healthy both of them are healthy and what Kyle Shanahan chooses to do and look George Kittle like you point out he hasn't really been the George Kittle we expect this season I think their hope is to get him onto IOR rest up and hopefully get him back uh, for mm-hmm. the stretch run if they're still relevant Taysom Hill got this concussion and a relatively deep pass I don't want to suggest that like he was set up by the other quarterback <laughs> <laughs> With a hospital pass, but uh, you know, I'm not not saying that. 
Oh, well, it's Seamus Winston. It could easily just been random chancy fair. And CEH, like, look, I know he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations when they drafted him at the end of the first round uh, last year, but we'll, we'll see if they have something in Darrell Williams who can fill that. But obviously it's, a, it's an offense which isn't quite where you'd like, and you'd obviously like to be able to maybe run a bit more, take a little bit more yeah. pressure off Pat Mahomes, but unfortunately in Pat Mahomes' world, when you get all that money, you're going to have to do all the work yourself. Bit it's of a pain, particularly after seeing him. He'd, he'd had a couple of good games. He'd gone over the 100 mark, I think, twice this year. The only other bit of news is the NFL planning to have a game in Germany, and it's named Dusseldorf, Munich, and Frankfurt as a finalist for the 2022 Germany NFL game. NFL Europe statement seems to indicate there's going to be at least three games in London for the foreseeable future as well. And to be honest, I wouldn't say no to going over to Germany for a game. I think it would be a good crack. I will say, please not Frankfurt. I've been to Frankfurt. It's the most boring <laughs> city in the world. But it is very easy to fly to. But obviously Munich have the Alliance Arena, which would be the biggest, or either biggest or second biggest arena in Germany. If you're just going through pure, we think this is going to sell out no matter what we do, I would probably put Munich as the favourite. But the, the, the NFL using money as a metric for deciding its, <laughs> its, its its actions rather than putting the fans first? To be fair, we're, we're going to Tottenham Stadium this week, and that's slightly smaller than Wembley. So Yeah, but I also, I also imagine that has something to do with the fact that it's owned by an NFL team owner, whereas Wembley yeah. is presumably being rented. Yeah, and to be fair, I believe Tottenham has facilities which are specifically designed to be multi-purpose with the NFL and and soccer. Yeah. So yeah, they have they have, they have a removable surface, so they have a separate NFL one that comes up from underneath the pitch. It's just incredible. You can watch a time lapse video of it up on YouTube if you want to have a look at it. It's very very cool engineering. With the seventeen game seasons, it's ready made for multiple teams to be. I mean, I can't imagine the perhaps the long term scenario or the medium term scenarios. Every team may have one international game. And, addition to eight home and eight on the road um, or at least that they're probably saying it doesn't cost a team a home slot which is what a lot of teams were complaining about is that they yeah. lost a home game and most of them didn't want to give them up so that's why you can get the best games coming to London but that's hopefully. it because you, you can also then you can do neutral site games like you can do large college stadiums in states that don't mm. have NFL teams you can do all that kind of stuff, you know. I think I think it would make an awful lot of sense, yeah. I suppose on that lovely note we'll go and look at the games that happened last week. <laughs> So first up, Cleveland at the LA Chargers, uh, 42 to 47. This is probably an early leader for game of the year so far. Epic shootout. Baker, 305 yards and two touchdowns, wasn't able to get the return to form with the winning drive. And he did, particularly considering how badly he played last week, it was a good bit better, although he was still missing some, some throws here. Eckler was just another big monster game. I think this 118 yards and three touchdowns. Herbert looked great, over 400 yards, five touchdowns. Like, this Cleveland D that's meant to be so vaunted and has performed so well, he was able to, to, to kind of cut right through them. But they did come back into it. Chubb had a good day, 161 yards and touchdown. Hunt, 62 and two touchdowns. The Browns' decision to basically opt to give themselves one final drive to go for the touchdown rather than basically let the Chargers settle for a field goal, which is what they were basically going to do on their final drive, where... Like Eckler was just dancing around, uh, like in the pocket, basically. And then the Cleveland Brown defenders basically seized on him and dragged him into the end zone to give him a touchdown so that they could have that final drive. I thought it was kind of an interesting kind of gamesmanship, <laughs> kind of uh, almost like a, an inverse of the Todd Gurley situation last year where he inadvertently mm. fell into the end zone. But to be honest, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I'm going to like, okay, I could give myself one drive um, to try and win this. Makes sense. It's a positive move. On the other hand, if you leave the Chargers to take a field goal, it's the Chargers. So I'm not sure, based on historical <laughs> precedent, whether you'd be better off just letting them try kick and seeing what very happens. Very true, very true. <laughs> 
But like, look, like, like that's all about the end of the game. But like, the rest of the game was an absolutely fantastic feast of football. It was just end-to-end stuff where both teams were just playing out of their mind. Like, look, Baker Mayfield, as you said, had a major comeback here. Look, it wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, he, he rare, he rarely is. Considering, as you said, what happened last week, a huge, I think, relief for Browns fans to see him do well against the defense, which I don't think is a bad defense. I think it's fairly solid. He was helped out by a couple of if not busted coverages, bad angles from the like the defensive backs, like that David Njoku touchdown stands out, for example. And to be fair to their defense, they were missing a few pieces like Jadavian Clowney. Maybe they weren't quite where they are. I think Miles Garrett was he was kind of playing hurt a bit during this game, so that's two of their best players so far this season. They're kind of struggling a little bit there. I think Denzel Ward actually spent some time out of this game as well. So I wouldn't go the Cleveland Brown is not defense is not crap. I think it's just a lot of bad injuries happened. Uh, their defense did give up like I was a one basically free touchdown to Mike Williams. But like, look, even if we ignore the free touchdowns, whatever given to the Chargers, there's no doubting that Justin Herbert. I said he was going to have like one of those breakout games. It definitely felt like it. Nearly 400 yards, five touchdowns. He was just imperious. To be honest, his accuracy wasn't actually too great, especially early in the game. But the more he came into the game, the better he looked. Like that. That's obviously a testament to what an amazing talent he is. Some of the throws that he makes are just absolutely ridiculous. We saw that again this week. But I think the big thing I take away is, as you mentioned, that Austin Eckler, the Chargers look like a 20-50% better team than when he's not on the field. He just adds such a dynamic level of both running, because he's such a he's kind of a really tough, underrated, tough runner. But as a passing threat, he's absolutely one of the best. And he just opens everything up so the guys like Mike Williams are getting free right now. And Mike Williams is having a breakout season. He's basically the wide receiver one right now. And Keenan Allen, while he's obviously still awesome, has almost just become more the chain mover, the guy you rely on third down. I don't want to say something like the rich man's Hunter Renfro, but he, he's not that. But he's <laughs> definitely been like Mike Williams is stealing the show right now, along with Herbert, along with Eckler. You know, when Keenan Allen's like your fourth best West Midland, you're probably doing pretty okay. I think if you're the Chargers, the one thing, obviously their defense kind of a bit questionable, but I think they'll come back from that. I think it's just one of those games where everyone got caught up in the moment. Everyone's like, we have to keep scoring because they keep scoring. And then it kind of creates its own momentum. A brilliant game. Definitely would watch a game. A very un-Browns game as well. I mean, the last thing you could ever expect them to do is get into a shootout. And to keep be able to keep pace with it, with the Chargers team that was you know, racking up the points. I mean, there are questions against the Browns when you talk about them as Super Bowl contenders. This game has a number of like kind of red flags in it that makes you question that. The defense, obviously, fantastic defense, which stifled the Vikings a week ago, falls apart here and gives up. 47 points. I mean, injuries hurt them. Denzel Ward especially was missing. But all that does is highlight a real problem of depth that this defense, once it loses a few pieces, falls to bits. Baker obviously was a bit a lot better than last week's mess and, and the run game was quite dominant and Joku had a good game as well. But if the Browns want to be a Super Bowl team, they've got to be able to control games. And this was a game that got out of everyone's control. And in that situation, you would put it into the hands of of the kind of the star quarterbacks, the Herbert types who can do the spectacular plays, who can rack up the points. This was not from a kind of kind of scheming gameplay point of view. This was not the game the Browns wanted to play, and they're going to have to ask questions about why that happened. They're also kind of in a little bit of a mess now because they're three and two facing the Cardinals next week. They could be three and three this time next week, and and that could leave them maybe two games behind the Ravens. So it, they've got a lot of work to do if they want to prove that they are elite AFC, that they are at the top. And for the Chargers, well, the only way is up, you know. If they keep not charging and they keep actually winning games, they could go very far, and they've got a huge lead on the Chiefs now. 
So the division is theirs for the taking. Yeah, a long way to go. It is only week five. A lot of twists and turns to go. But for the moment, Chargers fans should be very happy. And the Browns fans, maybe a little bit wary about where the season is going. Next up, Green Bay at Cincinnati, 25-22 to in overtime. So close, Cincy. So close. Mason Crosby wins with a 49-yard field goal in overtime. After five consecutive missed field goals, three for Green Bay and two for Cincinnati across the fourth quarter and on the overtime. Cincy also managed to open the overtime with an interception. So, like, it was... It was a bit scrappy towards the end, although apparently the weather played a bit of a factor, particularly in the kicking game. Rodgers, 344 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Most of that just to, to Adams, who had over 200 yards and touchdown. Burrow, 281 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Also mostly to his wide receiver, one chase, who had 159 and a touchdown. These were very good, enjoyable football played on both sides of the ball by both these teams, which is just kind of fun to see sometimes. Good offense, good defensive plays at least individually you know a bit of messy special teams and kicking thrown in to get us to overtime a spot where honestly I think you all would have laughed at me if I said Cincinnati take Green Bay to overtime at the start of the season don't let the kicking mishaps overshadow just how good this game was and how fun this game was I mean Fitz might champion the Browns Chargers scoring 90 points or whatever but this is the kind of game that I really <laughs> like where both sides of the ball are fighting and both sides of the ball are competitive and we saw the Bengals I mean they've proven in this game that they are for real they showed that they could compete toe-to-toe with a playoff caliber team on equal terms and came very close to winning and it isn't just the offense I mean Burrow, Mixon and Chase get all the headlines but I really like the defense in this game they've quietly become a very big part of their start the season it, it's personnel and it's scheming they have the front four kind of early on pressurized Rodgers which baited him into some dodgy throws which allowed the secondary to make some some good plays. Awuzie in particular looks good. And then what we saw was the reaction. We saw the Green Bay realizing that if Rodgers was able to hit targets on the move, which is something that we know he's capable of, and if they start to basically run bootlegs all the time, then the Bengals would have a lot of trouble with that. So we got a very good battle as the game progressed between Rodgers and Adams and this Bengals secondary going back and forth all day. The Bengals were up for a while in terms of that. Then Rodgers and Adams had some big plays. Awuzie got injured for a little while, so Eli Apple came in and was as he always is, utterly terrible, and, and were pulled apart by that. And then they, they got very close. They, they basically held down uh, what is quite a good Packers defense for down to 22 points and were able to get their offense, their offense was then able to, to match that. Then, unfortunately, it's the errors that we have to talk about. Burrow had two quite avoidable interceptions. The second one at the start of overtime was, was a bit of a mess, whether a bad read or miscommunication. It just... It was very unclear who he was even throwing the ball to. And then, ultimately, the kicking mishaps took over. Apparently, there was a, a high wind above the stadium that was that was causing havoc to the kicks. The fame at the big one is the Bengals kicker was convinced he kicked a perfect field goal in overtime and was celebrating when he turned around and see that the, the refs were telling him it was no good, um, that apparently a, a gust of wind caught it right at the end and turned it wide. So, yeah, ultimately, this is a game to be remembered for for the worst kicking display in recent memory. But this was quite a fun, quite a good game between two very good teams. And I would expect both of them then to be in the playoff mix. I think the Bengals, they're in a tough division, obviously, but I think that they've proven that they are capable of competing at a playoff level. And I hope to see them compete in the actual playoffs. To be fair to a Burrow, like Mixon was playing in this game, but he obviously wasn't where he, he wanted to be because he, he's carrying an injury right now. And you saw a lot more of some AJ Pirine than you would probably want to see. So I think that put a little bit more pressure on him. Whereas on the other side, you know, Aaron Jones went for over 100. AJ Dillon looked pretty good uh, in both the passing and the rushing game as well. So Aaron Rodgers obviously has a little bit more help. And obviously as Devontae Adams 
kind of who is amazing and pretty much all aspects of the game whereas you know jamar chase is amazing but he's more randy moss amazing where it's like hey you just like get that deep ball and score me a touchdown out of nowhere long may it continue it's a fun connection to see and you know each week i look more and more stupid for saying that he was going to be the train <laughs> crash of the year i'm just like couldn't be more wrong i think this was a game which like yeah it was a weird end to the game but i think as sean pointed out it was a solid showing and i think the big thing for us is like we know who green bay are after their week one falter they basically look to be you know they're going to win the nfc north at the canter but you know we saw the brands lose and they play the cardinals next week baltimore managed to, to sneak a win but they do play the chargers next week and the bengals are right up there in terms of their uh, score right now so i think you know for me the big thing is i think the bengals you know they'll take confidence from this they'll keep moving up you know because they have such a young team i expect that they continue to improve now if chidobi awuzie misses a lot of time and if they play more eli apple then I think that will definitely have a major effect on them. But, you know, overall, I think if you're a Bengals fan, you could be pretty happy with this. Next up, Sam Fran in Arizona, 10-17. to Tyler went for 239 and a touchdown. But they didn't really get anything going and they needed a bit of work late to, to seal the win. Hopkins went for 87 and a touchdown and more, had nearly 100 yards. Mostly it was just the San Francisco defense were really able to put them under pressure, slow down their run game a huge amount and just kind of put them put them in spots where they didn't want to be, a kind of way that we haven't really seen them play too often this year. Trey Lance was uh, okay, I think. It was about 50% completion, 192 yards, an interception. But he, he rushed for 90 and he, he added that element to the game. So, like, look, he's, he's a bit raw and he needs a bit of work. But... Yeah, like he got injured in this game because he didn't really know how to protect himself properly, I think. What he brings is his legs. He's definitely not got the the kind of the base level on the passing yet or the, the, the diagnosing defenses yet. He's really making up for it with his legs for what he's lacking in the arm. He's gone now. They're on a bye week. They're hoping to have him back. From watching him in this, would you take him over Jimmy G? To me, it's, it's a really difficult choice. It's really... Because you're getting such different things out of them. Like Trey Lance, you can see that the mere existence of him puts a stress on the defense where they have to consider, you know, his rushing ability first. He's such an explosive athlete. And then he can pass if you leave him an open pass. But his mechanics are incredibly raw. There's a lot of throws where he could have easily made them if he just like settled down, planted his feet and thrown through his body. But he was kind of too many times he would kind of jump and jump and throw just like not good technique at all not what you want to see from rookie quarterback and you know just from someone who has so few games under his belt it's to be expected you know the upside is there so it's really a question of where do you think you are in terms of this season if you think you're a playoff contender i would probably err towards jimmy garoppolo just simply because you have more consistency you can open up more of your playbook because i think trey lance he's someone who a is likely to get hurt by himself as you mentioned uh, but be kind of limit your playbook. You're going to run like hell. You're going to be a great running team. But I don't think he has even like the accuracy of someone like Lamar Jackson or something where, where at least he can throw the inside or the outsides. You know, the kind of intermediate to short passes quite well. Mm -hmm. Even on those, he seemed to struggle. So I, I would probably just go for Garoppolo. But like, look, Garoppolo's hurt. We don't know how, where he's going to be at. And, you know, I think both of them have their upsides and downsides for san francisco trey lance was a bit of a mixed bag but like the one thing that was good for them is that the defense after having some questionable outputs in the in the, in the season so far really seemed to step up Demico ryan seemed to have a i don't know what he was looking or researching maybe the the jacksonville first half whatever you know really seemed to find a plan that got kyler murray off his spot really put him under pressure and it just seemed to be basically like lots of pressure up front 
get him out of the pocket, you know, use people like Bosa and stuff to kind of, you know, do the most work, quicken up his clock, and then make sure that you don't get beaten down deep by like a Rondell Moore special team, a special player, something like that. You know, I think a, I don't know if it, it was intended or a positive externality of that approach, also meant that the run game was completely bottled up for most of this game. You didn't really see much from Edmonds or Connor in this game. So I think that puts even more pressure on Kyler. And it just seemed like Kyler, he's so amazingly talented. There's things that he does that no other NFL player can do. When he does those, it's like, oh my God, this is the best quarterback of all time. You know, you do have to some extent go back to the problem of, is this a coaching problem where, you know, we've talked about it, even in his big games, a lot of the plays seem to come off, you know, just shit happening, basically. And is there actually just a stable plan? Like, you know, like Kyle Shanahan wouldn't need to rely on that. Like if he was in Kyle Shanahan's scheme, he would have open receivers. He'd have easy completions. He wouldn't have to rely simply on making magic happen every single play. Mm-hmm. And I still have fundamental issues. And it, it keeps popping up every once in a while for the Cardinals where the offense just seems to stall. Doesn't really seem to be going anywhere. Seems to just, yeah, be waiting for, you know, Kyler to find Hopkins and kind of make something work that way or make Rondell Moore make do, do something special by getting the ball in his hands. I, it's not panic stations. They're obviously the only undefeated team in the NFL right now, but we've seen the Cardinals go through bad stretches before. We'll be interested to see if other teams, you know, steal the steal the notebook off San Francisco and start to make his life more difficult going forward. Yeah, but look, they sweep the win within the division. Like you say, they remain undefeated and power onwards. We'll go to the other part of that division. LA Rams at Seattle, 26-17. And I'll come to Sean on this one. Uh, Stafford had a decent enough game, 365, a touchdown interception. Although he was quite slow to start in the first half. Woods went for 150 and cup for nearly 100, so that was pretty good. Henderson got nearly five yards per carry, which was quite good they only used him so much he kind of had about 80 yards or so to close out the game Russell Wilson had a okay first half in terms of yardage 150 and a touchdown and an interception but like they didn't really get any points out of it they got they got, got one or two but like you know you'd, you'd want to see a more effective use particularly if you're going to try and win against what's meant to be such a strong defense in the Rams Gino came in and he looked pretty good 154 yards touchdown and interception you can't really judge it on just on just the amount that he was in uh, the Seattle defense just weren't able to really stop this Rams team at all in the second half particularly they were just able to just keep running it to just close out the game Adams kind of looked almost bad as well which is not great for a guy you've just given all that money and all that draft capital for but Sean I think the only way we can start a discussion of this because you were messaging during the game about how the fuck is this not illegal we had a double punt where a blocked punt was picked back up and then punted again what do you think <laughs> should, should we ban this sick filth yeah, absolutely 100% I mean so the technically so there is a rule that you are not allowed, if the punt has been blocked, you can't kick the ball a second time if you're over the line of scrimmage, but you can if you're not, which I think is ridiculous. I mean, I think if the defense has managed to block your punt, the punter should at least have to pick up the ball and run. I mean, I, I, th- I think the defense has earned it to be turned into a non-kicking play. It just feels so weird as well, because kicking is such a non-part of the NFL game normally. It felt illegal to me when I saw it. It was like, there's no way that's... <laughs> That's legal. And even the commentators were like, yeah. there's no way that's a legal play. And then they were like, oh, actually. And even the, the was it Mike Pereira, the ref expert was like, yeah, that's not legal. And then you were mm. like, oh, wait, technically is sort of legal. It's just, it was wrong. It felt wrong. And, and you know, we should definitely uh, consider banning it. In terms of the game itself, I mean, good, very good 
comeback from the Rams in terms of last week was a bit of a disaster and the question marks are up. They've erased some of those questions by fighting for this one. They were against a divisional rival. They weren't going to have it easy. They needed to fight for the win. They only scored three points in the first half and it looked like things were going pretty bad. Stafford throwing is still a bit all over the place. His interception was just the most awful thing uh, I've seen from a quarterback uh, in some time. Their defense looks like it's fallen taken a step back from last year and things were looking pretty bad at halftime for the Rams but this was the start of their season kind of coming off the rails and then they made some adjustments they turned more to the run game they realized that Robert Woods was had been open all game and they started to click in gear and then they fought and they got the win and for the Rams this is kind of a statement that they are willing to fight that they're not a luxury team that's just going to steamroller teams and then fall to bits against every good team that they play that they are willing to fight and get what needs to be done and they're four and one and they're fighting for the division and i think the nfc west is kind of split now where it's cardinals v rams for that for that divisional title and the seahawks season kind of flitting away a bit so and yeah i mean the seahawks they're two and three russell wilson could be out for eight weeks their season is beginning to to fall away a bit they did better in this game than you might have feared the run defense i think there was a lot of fears that the run defense would get destroyed but they kind of held their own in the first half and then didn't do great in the second Jamal Adams did have quite a poor game. There were a number of times that he was kind of caught out, and I think he gave up a, a pass interference penalty as well. For a man being paid that much money, he, he really needs to step up. The injury to Wilson obviously is going to hurt them as well. Gino Smith came in and he did okay. He, he got them a touchdown drive, and he was getting the ball down the field, and he was looking great. And the commentators were praising his you know his his wisdom of his of this veteran uh, and all that kind of stuff. I mean. We don't know how long term it's going to be in terms of that. Obviously, we know what he's capable of uh, from his from his Jets days. So it's consistency that's the problem there. But for the Seahawks to have lost their star, for their defense to not be looking great, already to be two and three, their season looks probably over. For the Rams, I mean, I think they're back in the contention. They're maybe not the best team in the NFC, and they're maybe going to fall short, say in the divisional round of the playoffs. But they're definitely. They're a lot better than they showed last week. And if they can keep doing that, if they keep fighting, then they will have an impressive season and they could go a long way, but they're probably not going to, to win the Super Bowl, I would say. Philly at Carolina, 21-18. to 18. Carolina, oh God, they blew it. Darnold, 187 yards, a touchdown and three interceptions. Just goes back to how he was at times in, in, in uh, New York. He just kind of gives Philadelphia just loads of opportunities and they're able to get up to them and then get past them. Hurts. 228 yards in interception was able to get the comeback Smith at 77 yards but like it's mostly down to defense and special teams play here like they had two interceptions it was that kind of stuff that kept this game going Carolina are starting to revert more and more back towards the kind of thing I was afraid they were going to end up being this year and I'm hoping that it's just a little dip because like realistically outside of one quarter they played Dallas quite well just they let them run away with it in the third quarter and this one they should have had it and they just fucking collapsed our, our, our mutual friend Shane was texting me at the time he was saying oh look we're, we're, we're ahead and there's five minutes to go like hopefully this is all good and then just like oh no oh 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 no and then he didn't respond he didn't message me back for about an hour and a half and he's like fuck it anyway it was it was not a great performance they're at home they're the philly team that definitely looks vulnerable and they just gifted it to them philly basically did nothing for nearly three quarters and the things that they did do was mostly you know screw themselves up it hurts through an interception they had a safety against them they had a fumble from Devonte smith like 
it just looked like for all intents and purposes that the Eagles couldn't get out of their own way and then suddenly in the third quarter things flip a bit they start to get a little bit of momentum and then the exact same thing happens to Carolina where they can't get out of the way your priority thing to happen here that killed them is that Sam Darnold looked terrible particularly in the second half but even then he wasn't moving the ball like considering how little Philly were doing and given how like the, the run game was still pretty decent with Chubb Hubbard there obviously he's not Christian McCaffrey but he did have over 100 yards all purpose so it's not like he wasn't getting supported it's just a situation where like look we saw early on the season Sam Darnold he looks better still seems he's making like a few mistakes probably still be made look better by the fact that you know Christian McCaffrey is there and the defense is playing pretty well but I think just to see this type of implosion you know it makes you question like what are we going to see from Sam Darnold the rest of the season and obviously the big question of like our Carolina basically you know they're going to be looking up their Rolodex in terms of QBs in the future probably going to be watching a lot of draft tape probably keeping an eye on what's happening with Deshaun Watson they are a good team they have talent at pretty much every level like their offensive line isn't great but everything else in this team is very talented but if Sam Darnold can't even be average if he can't even just you know not throw these stupid interceptions then it makes you have serious questions about them on the other hand like Jalen Hurts he goes for long stretches where he doesn't really do much but when you see the upside of him like the difference between him and Sam Darnold is like you see the upside with with Hurts he can throw it deep he's obviously an amazing rusher you know at the moment he is basically being forced to carry this team because you know the run game isn't giving them much but I think the one nice thing on the offense for the Eagles is that the Devonta Smith to Jalen Hurts connection seems to be growing every week and I think you'll continue to see them have breakout games throughout the rest of the year but like the star for Philly was the defense big play slay finally made some big plays for Philly he's only had like, one under interception since he came to Philly uh, if they can get him back up the form that's a huge boon for them and they definitely made Sam Darnold's life difficult in terms of getting some pressure on him uh, they had three sacks eight QB hits so you know not a bad game for them but like egg the defense has been fine this year it's actually been pretty good like they they stifled San Francisco for example they got blown out by Dallas but a lot of teams are having to happen including Carolina so for Philly like I think this definitely felt like a kind of realignment game in terms of our expectations you know we kind of thought like oh, Carolina had that bad beat against Dallas maybe they're still a contender now I'm very much starting to question that Philly we thought maybe they're just bad but if you see games like this where they at least are willing to fight get a tough win then maybe they can stick around and maybe sneak into the wild card round because the NFC isn't quite as deep as the AFC right now obviously Dallas are the, are the cream of that crop in that division but I think the Philly could be feisty and showed a bit more of that spirit we saw earlier this season and you know at least they can get something and be happier as they move forward and finally Buffalo and Kansas City 38-20 to oh this was a tough one Buffalo climb up to kind of stand atop the AFC mountain and look like they are the, the ones to beat several dominant performances from the offense and the defense in this one Allen 374 yards and four touchdowns does a great job against Kansas City's defense which has just been just been awful this year so far zero sacks zero turnovers more than 400 yards allowed in it and their defense did great against Kansas City they didn't do any blitzing in this they just kind of did the two eye safeties they kind of cover all the short route stuff they got two interceptions and two fumbles on the game Mahomes did his best 270 yards two touchdowns two interceptions and 61 rushing yards but Hill and Kelsey were kept relatively quiet this defensive scheme matched up well against them it's pretty it's pretty hard to win games when you're minus four in the turnover differential to be honest that has unfortunately I believe happened twice this season so far which is starting to become a little bit of a worrying point for the Chiefs whether this offense has been somewhat figured out a bit by teams and look to be fair the teams that did it have had 
particularly good defensive players and good defensive minds behind them. Uh, so it's maybe not a hundred percent replicable. Yeah, this is a this is a bad loss for Kansas City at home. Buffalo are really kind of charging up there to say that they are the guys to be beaten in the AFC. Yeah, like just sloppy and. To be honest, I think we're pushing we're pushing close in towards the area of serious questions being asked about Steve Spagnolo because there's been money invested and picks invested on that defense, and they just look like bizarre. The thing that I hate is they just look incredibly slow, and Daniel Sorensen should not be playing safety ever. The moment that Marcus, a friend of our pod, has been waiting for for a very long time, not just the, the Bills beating the Chiefs, but the Bills finally escaping the confines of Ronan's dump off, finally <laughs> being in a game that is uh, worthy like of phrasing. us talking about it <laughs> for more than uh, a few seconds. But yeah, a really big game in terms of the statement. We talked an awful lot about it at, in last year about the Bills' kind of psychological insecurities or their, their inferiority complex when it came to the Chiefs. The AFC Championship game demonstrated that they were just not at the Chiefs level and that the, the, the Chiefs were kind of the gold standard that the Bills needed to get to if they wanted to be a team that won championships. And in this game, they've proven that they have reached that level. Whether that be because the Chiefs have fallen quite a bit since last season or whether the Bills, especially the defensive ends, have jumped up, I think it's, it's a bit um, of both. I mean, I think we're, we're actually now at the point where it's suddenly, rather than the Chiefs being the Bills, nightmare team to face that the Bills might actually be the Chiefs nightmare team to face because you've got a good defense a defense that maybe has figured out the the Chiefs game plan a little bit is willing to fight for them and the other side of the ball you've got a super mobile quarterback who can also throw the ball you've got someone who's Lamar Jackson but can also throw the long bombs and if necessary and that is for the Chiefs in terms of their weaknesses on both sides of the ball that is a real concern I, I find it difficult to think about how the Chiefs might actually beat this Bills team because because this was a pretty comprehensive beating down, and if it hadn't been for some fourth quarter nerves from the Bills for a little while, they might have won this game by even a, a larger margin. So what did the Bills do? Well, the first thing they did is the kind of defensive play was built around figuring, they figured out the Chiefs offense from a schematic point of view. What they've done is basically played cover two entirely all the time. So you drop two safeties deep to cut off the, the Tyreek Hill long bomb. You force the Chiefs to beat you with, with long drives of short plays. The idea being that eventually you will make an error, that there'll be a holding call or a turnover, or you will just have a, a couple of plays in a row where you don't get those four or five yards that you need. And that's what we saw, that the Chiefs were generally productive, but in, all, in almost every drive there would be something that would go wrong that would cost them and then they'd, they'd have to punt or settle for the field goal. So there's definitely that side of it. I, I feel that maybe this team has been found out a little bit and maybe the, the blueprint of how to beat this Chiefs offense is now out uh, in the world. I mean, we have to think about the fact that if it wasn't for that comeback against the Browns in week one, this Chiefs team would now be one and four. They'd be staring down a pretty terrible start to the season. In that sense, they remind me a little bit of the greatest show on turf, the, the Rams team from the, the turn of the century, who were very good for two years, but then were figured out and collapsed very quickly after that. Now, I think Mahomes is a lot more naturally talented, say, than, than a Kurt Warner, and therefore will they'll bounce back. And they're still, he, even though they were basically... shelves as well as Kurt Warner, you know? <laughs> Well, that is the question. That is the question. I mean, the point is that Chiefs still scored 20 points in a game that they didn't play at all well in, so they will still produce points. The question is, can this offense outscore the, the how bad their defense is? And, and it seems not to be, that their run defense is awful. Allen's running especially just murdered them. They just did not have an answer for what happens when the quarterback runs the ball. And obviously, the same problem they, they had against the Ravens. So it's 
become a bit of an Achilles heel for them in terms of that. When they did try and kind of pressure, not blitz, but the front four pressured, all that really allowed to stop Allen from running was to open up the long bomb. And when, when you're long bombing to your tight end, Dawson Knox had had a great game, then there there are some problems definitely from the Chiefs' end. So for the Bills, a, a, a really good win, both from coaching and a personnel. Everybody had a great performance on both sides of the ball. The defense, which has been highly vaunted, this was their first big test and they passed it with flying colors. The psychological inferiority, they had fourth quarter nerves, but unlike the Browns, they managed to plow through it and get the win. So for the Bills... It's a big statement, and they're definitely now the team to beat in the AFC. For the Chiefs, I mean, it's time to start asking questions about what has this has this team progressed since the the kind of the, their peak. What do they need to do to get back there? They have so much talent, but I think they need to go back to drawing board terms schematics and think about how do they react to teams that have started to figure out the kind of the, the easy driving that they used to to rely on that if you don't have hill playing long that he ha- if you have to go short all the time if you perhaps have to develop your run game a little bit more how does this chiefs team achieve that in the context of the of the other te- uh, nfl teams coming at them so if they overcome it though and i think they do have the talent to do so they still will be in with a shout but that is the question that now hangs over this chiefs team those questions are going to be more difficult to answer given that now the running backs can be out for maybe four weeks. Realistically, I do think it is it's a schematic issue on defence that needs to be rectified. Now, like Nola tends to have defences that come in stronger in the back half of the seasons, but like even if you sped up, this doesn't get to a bog standard 16th best in the league if it, hot, if it heats up. This gets to, oh wow, it's now the 27th worst. With that, we'll move over to Fitz, and he's going to take us through the dump-off, all the other games that happened this week. And first up, Indy at Baltimore. Bit unlucky to be in the dump-off, let's be honest. 25-31 to 31 overtime win for Baltimore. Lamar basically blew away all his critics and all the narratives by leading a comeback win from a 25-9 to 9 deficit in the fourth quarter by absolutely annihilating the secondary of the Colts and being an amazing passer as both Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are over 100 and with two touchdowns apiece and it truly was a swashbuckling display by all accounts from Lamar and yeah I think if if you see that progress in terms of his deep passer and even two weeks ago when he's unlucky with Marquise Brown dropping his balls that is the last thing that we thought we needed from Lamar to turn him into a truly special quarterback if he has the deep ball of, uh, of, of Mahomes or, or even a Kyler Murray Look out, NFL, because, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, the only, they're 4-1, they're atop their division, they might legitimately be the main rival for the Buffalo Bills in the AFC. Though I'm sure the Chargers, and I'm sure the Chiefs can come, the Chargers are in there, the Browns are around, and then the Chiefs will have something to say. Obviously, Indianapolis did exist in this game, they, they put up a good fight, to be fair, and they were ahead by 25-9, to but, you know, like, they're a solid team. And I think you're seeing the progress to what we expected of the me in the preseason. Just a solid team that racks up yards. Carson Wentz has been better than expected. You know, he had another solid game here. 400 yards, two touchdowns. You still see that he's, you know, when you see Lamar and you see Wentz, you kind of, you see the difference in having a, a, a you know, a top class quarterback and a, you know, mediocre, you know, an okay quarterback. I think the big thing for Indianapolis now is they're feeding Jonathan Taylor the last couple of weeks. He's making use of them over nearly 170 yards, two touchdowns here. Keep doing that, keep doing that work, and you'll probably rack up some wins as you get against some of the lesser teams in the NFL. I wouldn't count the, the Indianapolis Colts out as being a contender within their division because I don't trust Tennessee or in the wildcard hunt. Chicago at the Raiders, 20-9. Look, the hype around Las Vegas is thoroughly gone, and of course they have a lot of other shit going on 
right now. Carr was battered and bruised as he had 200 yards in the interception. And he even left the game for a period here. And we saw Nathan Peterman, oh, oh joy for that. And the Chicago defense, which we had some questions about in the preseason, is really showing up this season. Interception, three sacks, about 200 yards alive. Truly a dominant performance led by, of course, the prodigal son, Khalil Mack, who had a sack and tackle for a loss of a QB hit in this game. Fields, still not great. Only around 100 yards in the touchdown. But they're getting around the pocket. He's running a bit, albeit being a bit reckless at times. And they'll need to sort that out, or, or Dalton's going to be back. But like considering that they're relying on a fairly motley crew at Williams and Khalil Herbert in the backfield, I think they can be happy enough with the growth that they see compared to what happened the first week he was in. So I think for the Chicago, they're probably building for the future anyway in that division. And you know he's he's learning every week, getting better every week. And that's all you can expect from a rookie. Detroit at Minnesota, 17 to nine. More heartbreak for Detroit, unfortunately as an up and down Cousins was given 37 seconds to set up a field goal and he actually did it which means that Detroit must be below 500 as Connor always points out that means that he was inevitably destined to win this game you know Minnesota kind of had a stagnant domination for most of this game because they led like 16 to 6 with only three minutes left with you know Alexander Madison having over 150 yards Justin Jefferson was getting open it felt like every third play or so and I think they really could have won this game easily, but they were dragged down by their own mistakes, a few flags, uh, a few like, and the interception from uh, Cousins. You know, Detroit, they're fighting really hard. That's good for the culture of the team, but they do have Jared Goff, a quarterback who is at best adequate, 200 yards of interception here. But the run game is actually looking pretty solid, despite the injuries that are affecting their offensive line. Like Frank Ragnow and Pe- is gone for the season. Panay Sewell is injured. Considering what Detroit could have been, I know their losses right now, it could be worse. For Minnesota, they get a win that they really need if they want to stay relevant. New England at Houston, 25-22. At one point, it looked like this was going to be a really bad heartbreak for all the New England fans, but they get a win control Z after a very bad start and after realizing, actually, Davis Mills, probably not that good a quarterback. 300 yards, three touchdowns. No, no, that that, that can't be true. 22 tonight, and reality basically kind of inverted itself and corrected itself as the New England they're not the most exciting team to watch but Mac put together a fairly methodical drive to get them the field goal that ended up being the difference in this game and basically Houston weren't able to to get it done on their drive and as they had a fumble at the end from the wide receiver Mac Jones he's grand Uh, not much more to say he's kind of the same uh, as usual this week Uh, but obviously he showed composure for coming from behind didn't throw a bunch of picks and I think that's good overall for the progress of the team Um, But they're just not a very interesting team to watch, and Houston will definitely rule a chance to kind of take a scalp here. Jets at Atlanta, the London game, not very good, poor to mediocre. Look, Matt Ryan had his way with the New York Jets defense, he could move it at will. Like, Kyle Pitts finally showed off as a superstar, because Calvin Ridley was missing from this game for for personal reasons, and Russell Gage is currently injured. Cordell Patterson also pitched in with 100 yards. You know, if, if Hayden Hurst and Mike Davis hadn't fumbled the ball, um, in the second half, this would have been a blowout, but it kept the Jets around where, you know, uh, Wilson grew into the game. He got better as the game went on, but he, he has some really good throws, but there's far too many errant, poor throws, especially in the short to intermediate, like layup type territory. If he doesn't sort that out, he's not going anywhere in the NFL. You know, to be fair to him, he doesn't really have anything helping him. Hopefully he can get through the rest of the season without being completely destroyed by this team. New Orleans at Washington. 33 to 22, an incredibly dumb game, which has a you know a suitably reliable Jameis, unreliable 300 yards, four touchdowns, an interception, and a fumble. He scored a hail mary at the end of the first half. 
for some reason because Washington weren't ready for it. New Orleans are mostly winning these games when they do win them because Kamara continues to put up over 100 yards every game, 122 and two touchdowns in this. You know, when that's happening, the fact that Jameis still looks very suspect is fine, but I suppose based on the stats alone, he's getting better. I'm not sure the tape that shows him getting that much better, to be honest. But at least the deep ball is getting some use at the moment. Heineke, he's really struggled because, like, McLaurin was locked up by Lattimore in this game and he threw two picks. He had nearly 300 yards. He's not a bad quarterback, but he can't carry a team. And the run game right now isn't really going anywhere. And of course, the defense still sucks major ass. That Hail Mary being the peak, uh, you know, suck assitude in this game. They got two sacks and two fumbles, so progress? No. Denver at Pittsburgh, 19 to 27. Pittsburgh finally showed some offensive life. Big Ben had a big play to Deontay Johnson early in this game, but unlike you know a couple of weeks ago, this time that actually built up to some actual offensive production. Albeit a lot of that came on just giving the chase people and then them do special things after the catch. Like that's just a situation where look, it's it's not a great plan, but it's a plan that was worked well enough. Look, Najee Harris is the workhorse of this offense. Like 143 yards a touchdown. It just seems like he's being forced to carry Big Ben, but uh, maybe Big Ben's getting a little bit lighter as the year goes on. Maybe this is a spark of hope for him. Teddy, on the other hand, didn't really do much until late in this game. Like, they, they were basically only at six points going into the into the third quarter. So, definitely issues there in this offense against what is, to be fair, a good defense. But when he did get going, Cortland Sutton continues to have these kind of flashes and, and big plays, but there was a pick on the final drive that killed the comeback, so... Denver, definitely flattering to the sea. Probably, a, you know, definitely feel like a kind of 500 team right now. Pittsburgh also feel like a 500 team. Neither of these teams really inspire much hope for the end of the season in case they make the playoffs, which hopefully they don't, to be honest. New York Giants at Dallas, 20-44. A pretty comprehensive battering of the Giants as Dak eviscerated them with 300 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. The rushing offense for the Dallas Cowboys, it feels like we've turned back the clock when Zeke was dominating everyone over 100 yards here. But the difference now is that there's another Zeke, because Pollard out of 100 yards, all-purpose as well. Just absolutely dominating on the ground, and with a quarterback as good as Dak, it's basically almost child's play against uh, pretty much any team in the NFL. Look, uh, on the Giants' side, like, Jones was solid, but obviously got a bad concussion in this game. Kind of downside of him being more involved in the rushing game. And Glennon was very okay for a backup, basically. A touchdown, two interceptions. Moved the ball okay, but threw a bad pick to Trayvon Diggs, who continues his streak. The only really good positive thing for Giants is that their first-round pick, Kadarius Tony, has broken out the last couple of weeks. Like, he has, oh, nearly 200 yards in this game. And considering that, you know, they didn't have Saquon, Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, you know, the fact that you found a gem here who wasn't getting play early on the season and is actually turning out to be really good. Look on the bright side, I suppose, that you, you at least find this side. Tennessee at Jacksonville, 37-19. to King Henry leads the way again. A fairly quiet afternoon of 130 and three touchdowns for King Henry. Tannehill was pressured, but at least didn't make those stupid mistakes he's been making to me of this year. And they had a 31 to 13 lead early in the third, and the game just kind of fizzled out from there. Lawrence continues to be okay, 300 yards, two touchdowns. Definitely isn't looking as bad as he was early in the season, but the overall team isn't good. But at least Urban Myers learned, hey, James Robinson, that guy who went for over 1,000 yards last year and the worst team in the league, maybe give him the ball. 149 yards a touchdown, more yards than Henry. Maybe keep doing that. I think that's basically the rule for the, all of the AFC South, except for maybe the Texans. Just give it to your fucking running back. They're good. And the D was a little bit better, but no match for Derrick Henry, all right? Uh, who is? Who is? And finally, Miami at Tampa Bay, 17-45. to 
a routine win for Tampa Bay. Brady, 424, five touchdowns, imperious, feasting on a Miami defense that, you know, was somewhat rated coming into the season. Brown had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Evans had over 100 yards and two touchdowns. They just seemed to be able to make big plays whenever they want against a secondary that's supposed to be good. Corsett fought valiantly, and this game was actually kind of close going to the third. It was like a one-score game in the third quarter, and Gaskin finally showed up after being pretty quiet this year, but I, I don't think it was ever in doubt, and the, the Tampa Bay just, like, they went had a torrid display of, you know, destruction against Miami for the full last quarter or so. Really did not like Miami sticking around, so they made sure that they pay in the Battle of Florida at the end, and you ended up with a pretty comprehensive beating. So that's a dump-off for Week 5. Hopefully we won't see Buffalo here next week, Marcus. <laughs> okay, with that, we'll move on and have a look at the games for next week. Okay, so first up, Thursday Night Football, Tampa Bay at Philly. We've gone for Tampa Bay across the board here. Look, they've been very good. They are on the road. It is Thursday Night Football. But this Philly team looks vulnerable, and I can't see Tom giving them the same kind of route back in as they maybe got recently. What do we think? Anything that would push us Philly's way in this one, other than the Thursday Night at Home thing? I don't think you can pick Philly, but they. I think Philly have been a solid team this year. They've had flashes of, of, of goodness, as it were. I think Jalen Hurts, I'm still really torn on whether he's a, a like an NFL-level quarterback or not, but his kind of flashes of upside kind of give you, like, it's worth the risk of keep trying this, keep seeing if you can make stuff. And as I said, the connection to Devonta Smith seems to be growing every week. And we know this Tampa Bay defense, especially its secondary, hasn't really been where we thought it was, like, based on what we saw in the Super Bowl, for example. On the other hand, Tampa Bay's offense has for the vast majority of the season been an absolute freight train as Tom Brady is basically the best quarterback in the league perhaps and he just looks like he's never going to stop and it's just like he's going to go to Tampa Bay and win all the titles and maybe he'll go somewhere else and win all the titles just like never bet against Tom Brady seems to be the, the bets here so I think Philly it'll be interesting if they can at least keep up and not get embarrassed if they can do that like they were against Dallas where they were embarrassed against Dallas if they can stop that happening again at least that would consider some progress. I think the problem is the Eagles just don't score enough points as a general rule and the, the Bucks will comfortably get to 30, even 40 points. I mean, it's Tom Brady in prime time. I mean, it's it's NFL Network, so it's, it's not he's not going to bring his AA game, but uh, he's, yeah, he usually brings it for the, for the national audiences. So, well, yeah, I, can't, I just can't... I, <laughs> Bad feelings with the, the Eagles, you know. Yeah, he'll take out all all his frustration uh, against them. I'm sure. Fair yeah, enough. this Eagles team is just not good enough to score enough. Next one, the game we're going to be at uh, the London game: Miami at Jacksonville at Tottenham Hotspurs. Me and Sean have gone for Jags, and Fitz, you've gone for Miami. This is a uh, game. It's not a good game, but it is an uncertain game because obviously yeah. we're, we're we're picking different <laughs> teams, and like to be fair, like. Jacksonville, I think, have been better in recent weeks compared to where they were early in the year when they lost to the Texans, for example, where they looked absolutely like a joke. Urban Meyer should at least be humbled now by his recent experiences and be willing to trust, <laughs> I assume, his other coaches and be willing to trust the players who actually work, like James Robinson. J-Rob, really good running back. I've already said this like a few moments ago. I said this uh, you know, last week. But James Robinson, 1,000 yards, worst team last year, used the man take some pressure off Lawrence, let him get going. But on the other hand, I'm picking Miami because like, at least I've seen Miami have games where, well, A, they've won and B, where they're solid. Like I think getting ripped up by, by Tom Brady is one thing. Getting ripped up by Trevor Lawrence is another. And I just like, there's just something about this Jacksonville team that I feel like if there is any way to lose a game, they will find a way to lose a game. 
Whereas Miami are just kind of a mediocre team that's getting beat by better teams and occasionally winning against the lesser teams. So I'm willing to go for Miami here, but yeah, like neither of these teams really inspire much hope at the moment. I think there's a little bit more juice on the Jacksonville team just because, like, look, I'll be honest, I, I was initially thinking Miami, but I think we're going to be there and I want to be able to cheer it on. And I, I can't really see myself going, <laughs> oh, wow, my mind is being blown by Jake Brisket. Like, I think there's just a little bit more excitement in the Jacksonville team, and you know they are technically the home team. Uh, there's there is possibility the two will be playing. It must be uh, noted. Yeah, there was discussion about that, so uh, that'll be kind of fun. But also, to be honest, I was never really all that excited about two. But we'll see. Maybe maybe, to, maybe after heating up, he'll have kind of been deep in the tape, and now he's uh, he's ready to go. But uh, we'll see. We'll we'll be giving you an in-depth report about how it was anyway next week. Uh, Minnesota, Carolina. This is an interesting one. Me and Sean have gone for Carolina, and Fitz has gone for Minnesota in this one. Yeah, like I've, I've kind of aired Carolina's way because I know that there's a lot of rumblings. Christian McCaffrey returned to training, albeit not in a full at the end of last week. So I'd hope that he'd be back for this game. Minnesota obviously have question marks about whether Cook will be back with that high ankle sprain as he was a game time decision last week. And yeah, I think I do still kind of think this Carolina team is good. I think they've had some bumps in the road. To be honest, this Minnesota defense hasn't exactly been terrifying. Particularly if they have CMC back, I think... They could make it a good game, and if there's uh, if there's any chance that Cook is out, Madsen's a fine backup, but he's not quite uh, of that level. So I'm kind of airing on that basis. Uh, what about yourself, Fitz? It's kind of a weird game because both these teams are very different from where they were, like even a few weeks ago. When we were considering them like Minnesota's first three track meets, basically just like huge offense, uh, not much defense. Then the last couple of weeks have been pretty grim games. Like obviously Detroit's offense isn't great, but they have been doing okay. Uh, they kept them to a relatively low score until late. Um, they had that really awful game against Cleveland uh, last week. So I don't really know where Minnesota are, but I think they're obviously hoping to get Dalvin Cook back. But even if they don't get Dalvin Cook, they obviously have Alexander Madison, who, who's going to take a shot, and he is taking a shot. So <laughs> like, that is enough for them. And I think like Kirk Cousins, we don't like Kirk Cousins. Okay, whatever. But I really don't like Sam Darnold right now. I was really afraid that when he lost CMC, he might collapse completely. He looked okay against Dallas, but what we saw last week, I don't know, I'm I'm like even though I think Caroline overall have a better defense and Chuba Hubbard's obviously look fine in place of CNC even if he doesn't play, and they have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and all that kind of stuff. There's just something about that that, that what happened last week of Sam Darnold and just running away from in this game and I'm just not willing to put anything on it, even a win against the you know, not great Minnesota team, but who have an identity. Yeah, you would worry about about Darnold, but I think with with CMC back, the pressure gets taken off his shoulders a little bit. He probably gets to play a little bit more of the supporting role QB game that he wants to play, kind of chipping in where necessary and not having the entire game plan built in him. And also, I mean, Carolina are probably a plus 500 team. They're probably a 9-8 and team, and therefore they should beat the Vikings. Bizarrely, Carolina feels to be like an 8-8-1 eight, eight, if CMC's not there. But like, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is the tie. Maybe yeah, this is the tie we've been waiting for. <laughs> if that's true, Connor, then there's true uncertainty around this game. Like, there really you is, don't know. yeah. Um, <laughs> who knows, you know. And next up is your pick of the week, Ronan. And what a fucking pick it is. Chargers at Baltimore. The ascended Chargers going in to try and knock off Baltimore team that hasn't looked as hot the last couple of weeks, but is still right up there at the at, at the top tier in the AFC. Uh, so tell us about this one. We've gone for Chargers across the board. Look, when it comes to Baltimore, I use the, the famous words from uh, Fast and the Furious. doesn't matter if you win by an inch, inch or a mile. Winning's winning. And Baltimore <laughs> have been winning their games. Four and one atop their division. 
they've done it in the most crazy way possible but uh, they are here and they look like a force and I think as I said during the review the big thing for me is that that passing game suddenly looks pretty tasty and it's based on those deep passes that we've kind of been worried about in the past where Lamar you know the accuracy down the field hasn't been quite there he's making those throws to Marquise Brown if he hadn't had bad luck if Marquise Brown hadn't dropped the ball like three times uh, like a couple of weeks ago he'd now be on like a, a two or three game run of just absolutely having huge plays and of course it's easier to make huge plays when you're Lamar Jackson because you're bloody worried that Lamar Jackson's going to go for like a 50 yard run if you don't stop him it's really a team that I'm not sure if they're good like basically like to me right now the Ravens feel like the Cardinals of the AFC it's just like I'm not sure if this team is good I'm not sure if all this fits together into some kind of coherent whole or plan but it works and they score a lot of points and they win a lot of games and so I would blame no one for uh, picking the, the, the Baltimore Ravens to win this game despite the fact that on the other side the like the Chargers look like a genuine AFC force probably the second best team after the Bills right now but like like I just want to say look what Lamar doing is right now what the Baltimore Ravens are, it just is genuinely crazy and you know if Lamar is turning into the MVP Lamar plus actual good passer like you know i would never count them out but look look why am i picking the chargers why are we all picking the chargers look i think we trust the chargers they just want to they just want to shoot out against the browns we saw justin herbert go absolutely off on them we've seen them but win tighter games especially that, that big win against the chiefs of course kind of getting that monkey off their back this feels like a team which is getting loads of monkeys off their back where they're slowly shedding the chargers gonna charge skin and now they're actually just good and they're just gonna beat teams up and they're gonna win games that they shouldn't win and they're going to win games that they should win. And they're just going to keep on trucking. And all that's around, of course, I think that core trio, which somehow doesn't include Keenan Allen, which is just weird. But they got Justin Herbert, absolutely amazing. Just stupid throws every single game. Stupid in a good way. And he just looks like genuinely... When, 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 when NFL scouts talk about the prototypical quarterback and you look in their mind's eye, it looks like Justin Herbert. Tall, huge arm, smart, makes great throws. Everything that you want from a quarterback in a traditional sense. You could not ask for any more out of him. But as I said, when he has Austin Eckler at his side, it just makes the whole thing move even faster, even better. I think Eckler is setting up for, you know, maybe offensive player of the year type campaign if he keeps up this torrid pace. And then Mike Williams having his breakout year just seems to be open two or three times every game. Go for the big scores as a dynamic element. And yeah, okay, Keenan Allen's over there. He can like move the change, I suppose. And when you have an offense that good, then the defense doesn't necessarily have to be good. But like, look, they had a bad outing there against the the, 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 the Browns, but they, they shut down the Raiders for long parts. They kept the Chiefs under 30 points. They kept the Cowboys on it. Like, uh, under, the, under their head coach, uh, Staley, the defense is definitely improved. And I think the Browns situation will be an aberration and this defense will continue to improve as the year goes on. They obviously have Bosa, they have Derwin James, they have talent there to make them a good defense and they will make Baltimore's life really tough. It'll just be really interesting to see. So overall, Chargers in better form. Overall, Chargers probably have more consistent talent over it. Um, you know, they're not relying on like Tyson Williams and, and Latavius Murray to run the ball, for example. But I'm not going to count that Baltimore here. They're just doing some crazy stuff here and Lamar might be reaching a Super Saiyan level that he can keep up here and uh, be the difference that Baker Mayfield couldn't be last week and maybe sneak a win. But look, the Chargers are favourites here, in my opinion, for a reason. So we'll go for them. But this is an amazing game. Can't wait for this. Oh, yeah. Cincinnati and Detroit. <laughs> we go for Cincinnati across the board, Sean. Just a better team. As we saw that they're, as I talked about earlier in the pod, they, they 
seem for real. They are a playoff caliber team. They've got great pieces on both sides of the ball. They seem to have a, a good sense of who they are as a team. This is the kind of game that a team of their caliber should be winning. Now, because it is the Bengals, you can't guarantee for sure. And the Lions have pulled a number of teams quite close recently. They almost beat the Ravens. They almost beat the Vikings, etc., etc. They maybe are going to break through with an upset win one of these days, but I, I don't think it's the Bengals. I think the Bengals are going to come off this close loss to the Packers, angry about losing, but energized about how well they played, and they'll go in and they'll comfortably beat beat the Lions here. KC at Washington, we've gone for KC across the board. Um, yeah, look, it's, a, it's hopefully a get-right game. This Washington defense hasn't been playing fantastically, but they do have excellent personnel, and like we said, if they've been watching the tape, they probably know how to approach this. Yeah, but their defense keeps fucking up. I like... Like uh, I was watching an analysis of why the Washington defense isn't working, and it's basically like they keep fucking up. And if you fuck up against Kansas City, you're going to be giving touchdowns to Tyreek Hill like nine times out of ten. And if Kelsey can just if they can't cover Kelsey, then they'll be basically broke. So I think you know this game only really is of interest because obviously we we see Kansas City are, are in a uh, vulnerable place right now, and Washington are kind of one of those crazy teams that can occasionally look good for some reason based on everything that we know Kansas City should win this game and should get really right and, and beat up on this Washington defense next up Houston at Indianapolis we've gone for an Indianapolis across the board yeah look Houston are bad they're, they're just very very bad Indy are not fantastic but have looked a little bit spicier of late they're at home they shouldn't really have too much issue here the Houston team is probably the worst team in the league yeah there's not really much to say here apart from don't bother watching this game green bay chicago we've got for green bay across the board theoretically this is a an nfc north kind of who goes top battle because the bears are only a game behind the packers somehow and just it's they kind of sneaked up on you didn't they were like suddenly they're just they they won they beat the was it the bengals and then the lions and then the yeah the raiders yeah so yeah it's, it's kind of snuck up on us but and Justin Fields has looked at an upgrade on Dalton, so they're theoretically in it, and their defense is good, but I think the Packers are in their groove. I think Rodgers has demonstrated that he's in the season to play, and him and Devontae Adams are, are got a very high level of communication going on right now, and if they can kick the shit out of a very good Cincinnati secondary enough to, to get Devontae 150 yards, then they're going to they're going to do well against Bears, and yeah, I, ca- I can't see the Bears hang with them once Rodgers gets his groove. Plus, he probably knows the NFC North teams inside and out. I'm interested to see how good Chicago are. I expect Green Bay to win this game because they're a better team. But it's interesting. Like, is their defense, like, good? Because they've shown flashes of kind of being back to the, the best that they were a few years ago. And how good is Justin Fields? Can he put together one good game against the Green Bay defense, which has been very up and down? I think you have to go for Green Bay. But I think for Chicago, in terms of us and in terms of their place in the division, it'll be interesting to see how much they can push this Green Bay team. If a certain Chicago team comes out, it might be competitive. But yeah, it's hard to see past Green Bay. Lenny Rams at the New York Giants. Oh, uh, Sean, we've all got for the Rams. Yeah, the Giants will not have an offense, so it would be very difficult for them to beat the Rams, who do who's, have an offense and will the probably score. There at the moment? Glennon. Oh, my Glennon. Oh, the fucking giraffe neck yeah. himself. Yeah, well, him, him, and, him and Davis Mills, they're like, uh, I want to see a giraffe off between them at some point, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So don't but yeah, the Rams fight should... with their necks in nature, like actual giraffes? <laughs> yeah, they whip, don't like, they? Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to see. Uh, I think that will be more entertaining than what's going to happen in this game, certainly, where yeah. the, the Rams will get up by 40 points early and then probably put out the, the backups for a while. Yeah, the Giants aren't going to score many points, so they can't really beat this team. Yeah, basically. Fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move into the late window. This is my pick of the week, Arizona at Cleveland. So this kind of 
chaos engine that is Arizona that slowed down a little bit this week uh, rolls in to take on the Cleveland Browns who as I said had, a, had, had had an incredibly perfect game last week with no turnovers and still lost so they're going to be angry and at home and wanting to do something in Arizona as we said have yet to lose a game so they're not going to want to change that streak at all. This Cleveland offense seems to be clicking an awful lot better. They've got a great run game. In theory, I know they kind of got done over this week, but like they do have good defensive pieces, and hopefully some of those players will be coming back from injury and they'll be able to play this week. Arizona have that kind of crazy offense that can look incredible, but then the next quarter could also just shut down because they're not sure something's not worked. So I do think this is a game that could go either way. That said... When you look at the kind of Arizona to New Hopkins to AJ Green to all these all these different wide receivers, I would view that as probably a more dangerous passing attack than even the Chargers uh, when it's when it's clicking. So if Cleveland stumbled against the Chargers, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to handle the Arizona thing. But equally, the Arizona thing, like I said, is mercurial. So maybe maybe it works them. So I think it is very much a pick'em game here. Uh, I've gone for Arizona. I think Sean's gone for Arizona. And Fitz, you've gone for Cleveland. And like I, I imagine this is going to be a very exciting game. That's such a contrast in styles, right? Because Cleveland are running a very safe workable yeah. template they have the uh you know the zone blocking scheme we know that chubb and hunt are going to eat yards uh, like the arizona defense has shown some promise but uh, they, they've been beaten up on the ground like jacksonville even did it a few weeks ago mm-hmm. so i think cleveland get the run game going and then of course we're waiting like which baker are we going to see we're going to see the baker we saw this week who is willing to get into a shootout and look pretty good or the one a couple of weeks ago where he was opening open uh, missing open passes he's obviously dealing with like a shoulder issue i think that's affecting him a bit but hopefully he's getting better every week with that and yeah arizona there as you say the chaos engine who knows what's happened but they have been slowed down the last couple of weeks so it'll be really interesting to see that yeah if cleveland's guys come back like denzel ward and Janavian clowney and they're back to health and miles garrett and stuff then that can make a big difference in whether they've been taking the notebook and they can put on a beating onto the arizona offense because it wouldn't surprise me if arizona's offense had a complete clunker at some point this season and i think cleveland you know, of some teams might be well placed to do that. Order versus chaos, and I'm leaning towards chaos, but I can definitely see a scenario in which the Browns scheme up a really good defensive plan and Kyler just doesn't have his inspirational random move uh, stuff to, to pull off amazing, amazing throws. Um, but yeah, I, I could I could see this going either way, but I think the way the Cardinals are playing, they'll probably just about squeak it. Vegas at Denver, me and Sean have gone for Denver, and Fitz, you've gone for Vegas. Uh, two, three, and two teams uh, technically better than the Chiefs, and yet I have no fucking interest in this game because, I don't know, I feel like boycotting the Raiders this week anyway, even though I've given them the win. Both these teams have flattered to deceive. Both these teams the last couple of weeks have been very difficult to watch, and both these teams probably have defenses good enough to turn this into just a kind of a dirge of a game. Even though both these teams are still in a decent place for the wildcard hunt at the very least. There's something about these two teams I'm not really interested in watching. Next up, so we've got two picks this week in here. Sean's pick of the week is here, Dallas at New England. we go for Dallas across the board, Sean. It's, it's not the most inspirational game, but this is not the most inspirational of slates. Once you take away the Chargers, Ravens, and the, the Cardinals, Browns, it really is much of a muchness. I, I did think about taking the Packers-Bears as my games of the week because of the divisional aspect. But I decided to, to have a little bit of hometown bias. Decided that I want to see the Pats. I want to see the Pats against a good team. They stifled the Bucks a little bit a few weeks ago. They had a game plan. They kind of knew what to do. 
they were helped a little bit by the fact that the, the quarterback against them was someone that Belichick obviously knows an awful lot about. But you imagine he's going to come into this game with some sort of plan. He probably didn't care too much about Davis Mills to plan a great defensive scheme to stop him. But he may have something here to, to stifle the Cowboys. I'm sure that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be commentating this game and, and tearing out their hair uh, at the various schemes. I mean, the real question is, can the Pats actually score enough points to win this game? The Cowboys defense is not great, a little bit better than last year, but it, it still has weaknesses. Mac Jones looks okay, but I mean, at some point you got to let the training wheels off and let him make mistakes. And I don't think it's going to be this game. So I think it could be a kind of a low scoring, you know, 2019 kind of game. But if the Pats defense comes to play and Judon brings his A game and Belichick brings his his great defensive scheming. They could stifle the Cowboys, and then it's just a question if the, if the Pats can score enough points. I don't think they can, which is why I'm going for the Cowboys, but I would love to see it, because I think this Pats team needs... The, the Bucks game was their, should have been their beginning of their, this is who we are, we have an identity, but then they played very poorly against the Texans. I think they need to win one of these games before they can really have confidence in themselves, and this is a good shout-out for maybe a game that they could, they could steal but I don't think they're going to do it in the end. Sunday Night Football is Seattle and Pittsburgh. We've gone for Pittsburgh across the board on this one. I think if it wasn't for the Wilson injury, I think I'd be going the other direction on it. But even then, I think it will be a coin flip game given the Pittsburgh defense strength versus the Seattle defense weakness. It's hard with the injuries, Fitz, to see past Pittsburgh here, right? Yeah, but of course, like we have next to zero face in the Pittsburgh offense like the Seattle defense is obviously bad so we saw something at least something from the the offense this week from from Pittsburgh but can they build on that can they start finally putting together some consistent production against one of the the lesser defenses in the league maybe but maybe not because we've seen them being absolutely trash for basically whole games up to this point and on the Seahawks side obviously the big question is Gino Smith comes in make some solid plays against the Rams defense, which obviously is fairly highly vaunted. Can he do something against his Pittsburgh defense? But if I was a betting man, I'd probably say this would be a pretty low-scoring, fairly grim game. But I think Pittsburgh at home probably have to give it to them. But yeah, not not the, not the game that they were probably expecting between two and when, yeah. when they set this early on. Two, two and three teams, not that much to get excited for uh, as a neutral, yeah. if you're a neutral. I, I fully expect NBC are being like, we really, you dropped the ball on this one, we should have picked something else. But uh it won't be great, but maybe the Pittsburgh defense will, will be able to do some flashy shit to, to win this game. Monday Night Football, another one that I, I presume when they started the scheduling would look incredible, whereas now it'll still be a good match, but it, it seems it seems probably out of reach for Tennessee to be able to keep up with this Buffalo team, right? Like, we've got Buffalo across yeah. the board, and Tennessee, while, great, while Henry is still great, they are still limited, but they will, I believe they're slated to have their wide receiver core back in this one, so at least there's that. Julio, they're probably hoping to have back A.G. Brown play this week. He's obviously yeah. not at 100%, but hopefully a week later, a little bit better. They have Derrick Henry. You can never count them out. They'll obviously be running the King Henry train as much as they can, but Buffalo right now look like an absolute force on both sides of the ball. Um, they finally kind of put those two bits together, and it's very difficult to pick anyone to beat the, the, the Buffalo Bills right now. Um, I think the big thing for me is that the like the Tennessee defense has been very, very up and down, mostly down, to be honest. But if they can put up a bit of a fight at least, um, then they could make this interesting. But if the Tennessee defense is at its worst, which it has been at far too often this season, then I expect Josh Allen to have his way with them and have another big game and possibly put this out of the Henry zone too, too quickly for Tennessee to really have much of a shot. So on form... 
hard to see beyond Buffalo. Yeah, yeah my feeling is is the the Tennessee defense is, is the weak link here. The their offense and the Buffalo defense will be a very fascinating matchup, and I think they'll go back and forth, and I think they'll they'll get a they'll get a few small wins. But yeah, Allen is going to trample on this Titans defense and put up a lot of points. And yeah, I fully expect the Bills to be comfortable. So I suppose that wraps us up for most of this week. Any plans? Obviously, we're, we're heading off uh, to London on Saturday. London. London. In it, etc. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good fun. But yeah, no, uh, apart from that, nothing else too wild or crazy. I suppose just flat to the mat for the next two or three days and then... Uh, and then then off for our London adventure. So as always, if anyone's out there over in London wants to give us a shout, uh, we'll probably not meet you because it's a bit weird to just randomly meet people from the internet. But if you seem like you're not a serial killer, we might consider it. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but for now, I suppose that will wrap us up. It's bye from myself. Bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye.